0: Well, if you've uh, walked around your neighborhoods the last uh, month, uh, you have noticed that the neighborhoods look a little different than they did back, let's say, the summer or the fall, right? You started noticing this maybe uh, end of November when you see Christmas lights going up on the different houses. Some are colored, some are white, some are hung like really perfect, you know, type A kind of hanging in there. Some are, let's say, just a little more whimsical, you know. Maybe you're lucky enough to have someone who kind of has been inspired by uh, Clark Griswold, has 250,000 twinkle lights around their house. Hopefully, it's not your next-door neighbor. Hopefully, it's just a house you drive by, you can see. But we saw that. We see the, the Christmas lights. As you walk down the street, you might see some other people walking down, maybe in their Christmas pajamas, which are not your normal pajamas. They'll have a little more, they're a little more fun, a little more flair. Uh, I have been guilty of that, uh, walking the dog late at night, uh, don't seem to care just what it is, but you might see that. As you walk down the streets, you'll see Christmas trees inside the house, kind of right through that front window, uh, maybe covered by a little uh, shade or something, but you see the, the glowing lights. And then, over the last few years, you see these in, giant inflatables, right, filling up the grass because we have some empty spots, we got to fill it with something. So, uh, you know, maybe it's Santa Claus and the reindeers, or maybe it's a little puppy, you know, eating Santa's cookies. Uh, maybe it's something a little more current, the, the Olaf, right, or the Grogu, or some other Star Wars uh, people, you know, wearing little uh, Santa hats or something like that. But all these things we do to say, this time is different. This time is special, right? I, I like that. That's fun. Um, what I prefer are those things, those decorations that maybe point a little bit closer to the real meaning of Christmas. On the side of our house, we have a star, uh, a star kind of representing that, that first star that the, the wise men uh, followed uh, to the manger, uh, when, we, when the season started, the star was all lit. Now only half of it's lit. So uh, I have some troubleshooting to do in the off-season, but we'll get there. Uh, but the, the decoration I like most uh, that points back to this is the nativities. You know, we don't see it at every house. You don't see it everywhere. But uh, last night I was walking by and I saw um, this nativity scene. I'd seen it many times. But it's really my favorite it, because it's, it's just colorful plastic. You know, um, there's nothing that special, but it takes me back to those uh, when I was a child being in Chicago at Christmas, and my grandfather would have these kind of plastic uh, nativity scenes out, and just something that just draws my heart um, back for sentimental reasons, but also just for that, that capturing the reason that we celebrate Christmas, that as fun as all those other things are, it comes down to the manger scene the baby that was born on Christmas morning in the manger. He's the reason, all right, for the thrill of hope that we have. we just sang that song, A Holy Night, that contains this line, right? Just saying that this is the night of our dear Savior's birth, right? Long lay the world in sin and error, pining until he appears, and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, for the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks this new and glorious morn. Like, have you thought about that? It's, it's the night of our Savior's birth. But it's saying that there's a new day, this glorious morning, that changed everything. That the birth of this child changed every day from that day on to today. Even still, that we look back and we thank the Lord for this Savior's birth. That is the thrill of hope this Advent season, as we've been waiting for Christmas, we've looked uh, throughout the different Sundays at this thrill of hope that starts with the moment, just that, we we talked about the moment that it came, just in the fullness of time, at just the right moment, the precise moment that, that God deemed right, he made this day happen, right? That God sent his son, born of a woman, under the law to redeem those under the law, to bring us into the family of God. It happened at the precise moment. But there was a message, right, that went with it. And that message we heard from 1 Corinthians, it's this message is foolish. To the world, they say, this is a a crazy message. The message is that we are all sinners because of one person named Adam, that we're all guilty because of him. And with that, that doesn't resonate with us. I don't want to be guilty for somebody else, but we also see this message is that because of one person, all can be made righteous that we put our faith in him, that he died for us, he was a sacrifice for us, so we could have peace with God. For some, they see that as a foolish message, but for us, we see that as the power of the gospel. We talked last week about the mindset that we are to have, the mindset of, Christia- of Christmas, that it came with humility and unity, it came with love, that Jesus was born in very humble circumstances. He left us, heavens to be born here on earth what an act of humility that he took but he also shows us that that's how we're to live not just on christmas but every day to be men and women of unity and of humility but today we'll talk about the manger we'll talk about the manger of hope see this manger was filled with many things It had been filled with lots of food over the years and probably saliva from different animals, but in this manger would be laying a baby, the baby Jesus, and this manger would have hope, hope that would be for all the world, who would change that day and every day since. So that's what we'll look at today, the power of the manger. I'd like to read from Luke chapter 2, famous Christmas story, and if you haven't heard it already, let's read it together and to remind ourselves the, the special things that happened on this day. Luke chapter 2, verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. Now, this was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph went to the town, went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. That is special. That's significant. But he went there to register with Mary who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. That is scandalous. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to their firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise a child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. It's a beautiful story full of things that were odd and things that were crazy, things that made sense and things that didn't. But here is this baby who is found in a manger. And what we see here at the beginning is, is hope is found in some unlikely places. Mary, I'm sure, was, was hoping for a great place with, surrounded by wonderful people where she could have this baby. But as they traveled from Nazareth to Bethlehem, the timing couldn't have been worse, right, for her. This was, this was just bad timing. They had to be down in Bethlehem for the census, and, and uh, the trip probably took a little bit longer, right? I mean, she's pregnant, very pregnant, and riding, a, you know, on a horse or donkey cannot be easy, and certainly not fast. We don't know much about Joseph. If he was very annoyed at this, he might have been, but whatever, he held it together. And they got to Bethlehem at the right time, but This small town full of people, there was no room. And her hope for the ideal was not gonna happen. It was not gonna happen. She was escorted to this, uh, we would call it a barn these days, shown to a stable where this very pregnant woman would have this baby. All hope was gone, all hope was out the window. Now it's just her and Joseph. Maybe chicken, I don't know, was there. But this baby would be born. It was not what she was dreaming about. You know, and, and I think all of us, none of us can blame her, right? We all, we all get that. Because we all want the best for our children, right? Uh, when they're going to be born, we want the best hospital that we can. We want the best doctor that we can, right? We, some people, some people even like fly to a different country, you know, to have the baby so that they can have this, uh, the choice of their citizenship. are there advantages to that? My sisters were, were born in Canada. They had uh, dual affiliation or dual citizenship, right? There's some advantages to that. I also had dual citizenship. I was born in Texas, right? I'm American and Texan. I'm like, it's the best of both worlds. Like, there's, so there, there's a lot of advantages. But, but what advantage did Jesus have being born in this manger other than he fulfilled prophecy you know lots of prophecy by being in bethlehem and in the manger but what advantage did he have for mary she must have been so discouraged just in her hopes just dashed because here she's having this baby so tired from the travel that she has to sleep so she puts this baby in a manger and, and I'm sure that wasn't easy for her. I'm sure she was telling Joseph, Look, you go get every blanket, every piece of cloth that you can find. We have to line this thing. And some of you, you wouldn't have done that with all the, the wipes, all the little sanitation wipes you could find. You wouldn't do that. You're like, no, I'm just going to hold them. But so tired. But to fulfill prophecy puts this baby in this manger. But as discouraging as that might have been, as bleak and depressing as that might have been, this was where hope would grow. This would be where hope would flourish. See, God has a way of bringing hope to some pretty discouraging and some dark places. This would be a birthday party would erupt in here. The shepherds would come and and uh, be the first guests of honor at this birthday party. Shepherds who, who they had never got invited to parties like this ever, but here they were. They were just doing their job. They're out on their field, just kind of minding their own business. But here, then the angels showed up. This last year, my family, or my wife and I, my sisters, we were able to go to uh, go to Israel, and we were outside of Bethlehem and in a field. Maybe the field where the angels came. Uh, We saw the cave, you know, where they would have slept. Well, we saw this field, this this beautiful valley, and I could just imagine just seeing it late at night and just seeing just these angels, not just, you know, one, ten, a dozen, or, or a hundred, but this multitude, just thousands of angels lighting up the sky, lighting up this valley, singing these songs that the shepherds heard. What a beautiful birth announcement, and these were the shepherds who came and brought hope to Mary, the things that she just treasured up and pondered and kept in her heart because she would know that one day later on that she would need to dig deep to find hope in the dark days. With the bleak birthday of Jesus, which is small treasures filling up her heart as she saw hope start to grow in that stable and in that manger. You know, some of us, that's our lives. Our lives are like these mangers, and kind of full of our own odors and smells and things. I mean, we're not perfect; we're not there. And for some of us, these are—we look in our lives, and there's some darkness where hope has just kind of evaporated. It's just gone. You know, some for some of us, hope has kind of been overshadowed by loneliness. Loneliness, maybe a loved one that is no longer with us last christmas they were and christmas is a time to be with friends and family but now you find yourself missing that person i mean because of a death or just uh maybe a, a relationship strain that they're no longer there and we get that we know we know the pain of loneliness i was talking to a, a pastor this week who was recounting just a couple of years ago where uh, he just found himself just in a happy situation but he was just crying and the reason why, he didn't, didn't dawn on him, but he started counting all the losses in the last couple of years, all these people that were a part of his life, but for one reason or another had gone. Not, not all conflict, a lot of it's just in the normal course of life, but he counted 50 people that were, used to be a part of his life that were gone, and it just crushed him, right? And it just, it's sad. And we understand there's that discouragement of loss. For some of us, that's our life. For others, hope has been overshadowed by just by sin and addiction, just the struggle that we have trying to get control over these things in our life, but finding we are powerless. And we keep following back in that that pattern of sin and the habits that we don't want that show us just how powerless we are. For some, hope has been overshadowed by just confusion and conflict, just in life, just politically looking at this next year going, I am not looking forward to that, for the political stuff that's coming on, maybe the social things that are going on in this world, maybe your own personal struggles, your own health, and just financial or other things. There's these things that just weigh down on us and just push hope out of our life. Maybe it's broken promises or lack of trust. There's been people that have broken promises which hurt deeply. Maybe you've looked at God and said, God, I think you've Broken your promises, you haven't kept them. There's a a lack of trust in our culture, and that shouldn't be a surprise. I I read an article earlier this year that just talked about how uh, just there's our our trust in our leaders is at an all-time low. The people that we used to, you know, maybe decades ago look up to for uh, you know for, for leadership and trust, our politicians, police, doctors, and pastors, is is low. They said People uh, put more trust in pop stars than they do in their leaders. I mean, that means that, that people are, are trusting uh, Bad Bunny right, more than a pastor. Like his songs, are, people are trusting more than a sermon, which causes me to lose some hope as well. But we see that. We've seen that in our culture. We see global crises happening, right? The war in Ukraine still going on. We see... The, the war in, in Gaza Strip, Israel, um, Hamas, I mean, all of that. We see tensions in the east as well. This is our lives. This is how we live. And for some of us, the hope that maybe we had before we want is not there. But remember this, that God brings hope to these unlikely places. God brings hope into our lives. Why? Because of this manger because this manger that we celebrate on christmas that was a manger that was full of hope that's the thrill of hope that we look to See, the manger is this place of hope not because the manger is anything special but because of the person who was in it that jesus jesus was the one that jesus is the one to bring hope into our lives see like in all my years i have never heard anybody you know, looking for, um, looking for kind of clarity in their life, looking to answer the big questions. I've never heard anybody say, and I went to a petting zoo to find clarity, you know. I went to go like to a manger to find clarity for my life. Nobody has ever done that. But at Christmas, that's where we go. We go. We go to the manger. We go where Jesus is, And we see that we have hope there. Let me give you some reasons why. Why does Christmas bring hope? Like, why does Jesus uh, bring this hope into our lives? A few reasons. One of them is because Jesus is the Emmanuel, God with us. Isaiah 7.14 says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him what? Emmanuel. Emmanuel is God with us. This is what the incarnation is. The incarnation, when God becomes flesh, right? When he dwells among us. That he is with us. He is with us in the moments of joy. He's with us with the moments of sorrow. He's experiencing what we experience. He has come close. He has experienced all these things. He is with us. We are never alone because of God, because Jesus, our Emmanuel, God with us. He brings hope to that. We're not lost. We're not far away, but we are near. That's what Christmas did. We have hope because we have forgiveness of sins. We have redemption through Jesus Christ. Right? He has redeemed us. Jesus came to bring salvation to reconcile humanity to God. Remember, we were lost without Him. We were in the darkness. We were in the kingdom of of darkness, in the kingdom of Satan. But what Jesus did is came and he broke open those doors through his sacrifice, through his life, through his sacrifice. He redeemed us. He broke the chains and he invited us into his kingdom, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, Say now, come on, enter in. You are my children. You are children of God, children of the king. He's forgiven us for that. He's broke the chains of sin. And I talked about some of us find we're, we're trapped in the addiction, and, and uh, I certainly don't want to downplay it. I, I know addiction is a very serious thing, and there's, there's a lot of help. We have people in here that can help with that. But I, I want you to have hope that you can break those addictions. Whether it's drinking or drugs or porn or just the dopamine hit of scrolling through your phones, whatever it is that we find ourselves going back to time and time again, that those things are broken because of what Jesus has done. The more that we fall in love with him, the more that he takes more and more of our life, the more that we come to him each and every day saying, I need you, I need you, I need to walk with you, I need to be with you, be with me, strengthen me, the more we do that, the more we are freed from those things that keep us chained. So if you struggle with that, this is a time to get help. We have people, I can, I can certainly recommend some, but it all comes. We can find hope because Christ has broken that. He's broken the chains of sin, and we have redemption and forgiveness because of what he has done, because of that manger. We also have hope because he gives us purpose. He gives us purpose. He's called us into something much bigger than ourselves. When we were slaves to Satan, when we were in the darkness, we had no purpose, You can't have purpose in the darkness, but He has brought us into the light. He has made us His children. He's given us a mission to share His love with others, to tangibly and practically and personally share His love with the world around that needs it. You've been given a mission, you've been given a purpose to share His love with others. We have hope because He's faithful to His promise. I mean, God is the one who has given us so many promises through the Old Testament, and all these prophecies that are found there, that he has fulfilled them all. While the world may not be trustworthy, may you may not find it in your leaders, you find it in God, that God is a trustworthy one who says, I've given promises and I keep them, and I will continue to keep them. I will take care of you. They'll come in the perfect time by his wisdom. That's why we can have hope. We can have hope because he gave us a message of peace, right? That message that he gave to the shepherds is for us today too. Glory to God in the highest heaven on earth. Peace to those whom his favor rests. His favor rests on his children. And while this world is a conflict and while there's wars and there will be more wars and there will be all kinds of crazy things happening who knows where all, all over the world. That because of Christmas, we can have peace. If if not externally, we certainly have it internally. We have peace with God because we have been forgiven. And we are not at war with Him any longer, but because of Jesus, we have peace. Peace today. And lastly, we can have hope because Jesus is eternal. And his hope is eternal. And it lasts much beyond just today or tomorrow, but for eternity, right? Jesus came to bring this mission, to bring us into this eternal relationship with God. In John 10.10, it says, I have come that they would have life and have it to the full. And in John 2, it says, everyone who believes in Jesus may have eternal life in him. He has come to give us eternal life, to give us full, abundant life. It extends way beyond Christmas into eternity. This is beautiful words. As we look at this day, it's just not just one day in history, but it's our first day of eternity that we have with Jesus. He brings us hope. Hope in the unlikely place. Hope in a manger. But there's also one additional hope. It's the coming day of hope. I mentioned this on our first week of Advent, that we, we live between two Advents, right? Advent is what we call Christmas. It's is another word, but it, it means the arrival, right? It's, it's what is coming. It's, it's what we're looking for. And so today, when we talk about Advent and Christmas, it's, it's the arrival of Christmas. Where we're at, we look back 2,000 years and so we're celebrating the day that happened 2,000 years ago. But we also are looking forward to another Advent, which we call the second coming of Jesus. We don't know when that is. We have, it's not on my calendar. It's not on your calendar. It's not on any of ours. It's only on God's. Only he knows this time. But, but we do know that it's coming. And that's our Advent. We wait for that. And my hope, my hope for all of us is that as excited you are for Christmas, for that, to remember that Advent, that you would be so excited for that Advent, the coming of the Lord, when he comes again. Scripture does talk about this too. It talked about this first Advent, but it talks about this second Advent, the second coming. When that day comes, He will not come as a baby. He will not come in a manger. He will come as a king of kings and the Lord of lords. He will come with an army around him. He will come not with a a manger, but a horse, a war horse with a throne. It will be very different than the first. The first was like kind of went unnoticed, like Jamie said, it went unnoticed, kind of under the radar. Not many people heard, not many people saw, not many people were there and witnessed it. But the second coming is completely different, where everyone will see, everyone will notice. It won't go under anybody's radar. It will be abundantly clear what is happening that Christ is coming the second time. What will it look like? Zechariah 14 talks about this day of the Lord in Jerusalem when there will be just much stress and strife going on, but it says on that day his feet will stand at the Mount of Olives east of Jerusalem. Then the Lord God will come and with all the holy ones with him On that day, there'll be neither sunlight nor cold, frosty darkness. It it will be a unique day, a day known only to the Lord, with no distinction between day and night. When evening comes, there will be light. But the Lord will be king over the whole earth. And on that day, there will be one Lord, and his name, the only name. This is special. That's very different, right? Very different than that first Matthew talks about it being a glorious day as well. It says in Matthew 24 that that then he will appear, the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then all the peoples on earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. The The angels will be there with the trumpet, gathering the elect from around the world. This is a glorious day, very different than what we saw in the first advent. But Revelation also tells us about this. Revelation 19 tells us about this second coming, the second advent. It describes it this way in verse 12. He says, His eyes are like the blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dripped in blood and his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven are following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepresses of fury on the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of lords you see how different that is it's very different he came first in humility but he comes again he'll come again in victory the man who was acquainted with grief and sorrows who was born in a manger in Bethlehem in loneliness and humiliation he came weak and tender an infant born to a poor woman unnoticed unhonored and scarcely known he took the form of a servant and then was despised and rejected and beat and ultimately hung on a cross between two criminals that was his first coming and all of that set up peace with god that we could have peace and we could have hope so that when he comes the second time, it is not a day of fear, it's a day of joy for those who follow, those who have bowed their knee to him, those who serve him as their king. This is a day of rejoicing. He'll come in the clouds with royal dignity, with the armies of heaven to be known and recognized, to, to be feared by the people of earth, the princes of this earth and kings of this earth will bow their knees to him. That's the day that we look forward to. We read last week that this is how Paul describes it. He says, Therefore, God is exalted to the highest place after the humiliation, the highest place. He's given them the name above every name, that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see what starts. In a manger is going to end in the clouds, to end in this world. And that day, the day does describe it. The Bible does describe it as a day of judgment, a day of woe. For those who have never bowed their knee, they will. For those who have never confessed that that Jesus Christ is Lord, they will. But for those who have done it now, in between the Advents, it's a day of rejoicing. It's a day of glory. It's the day we've been waiting for. That the evil in this world is going to be gone. Setting up the kingdom of God in his reign of, of peace and righteousness. Setting up a reign for eternity. Are you anticipating that with excitement? If you are in Christ. It's a day to be excited about. But if you are not, if you have never received him, this is the day that the Lord has made for you to come to Jesus right now, for you to change the rest of your life, to experience the thrill of hope. Because this is the gospel, it's a beautiful story, the gospel saying that God has loved you so much that he has sought you out, he's found you, he's brought you into his, his family. He's loved you so much. He still loves you. He will always love you. He sent his son for you so you could be with him for eternity. If you have never bowed your knee to Jesus, today, I beg you, do it today. Christmas Eve, 2023, that your life would be changed, that today would be the day of hope. See, the cool thing about the manger is that there's no guards at a manger. <laughs> in a temple or a, a, a palace, there would be guards, but not in a manger. Everybody's welcome, starting with the shepherds, to all of us. Come to the manger to receive our Savior, to worship our King, and find life in Him.